0: Revisiting Perioperative Hair Removal Practices by Charles E. Edmiston and others Abstract The standard of practice for perioperative hair removal is largely based on research that is outdated and underpowered. Although there is evidence to support the practice of clipping instead of shaving, current recommendations are to remove hair only when absolutely necessary. Human hair is bacteria-laden and challenging to disinfect, and clipping can be a safe method of hair removal that does not damage the skin. This article considers the removal of hair at the incision site with clippers, either before the patient enters the OR or in a manner that completely contains clipped hair, for every procedure, not just when absolutely necessary. There have been only two studies to date comparing clipping with no hair removal. More research is needed on this subject. Current practice guidelines for perioperative hair removal recommend leaving hair in place at the proposed surgical site whenever possible. When removal is deemed to be absolutely necessary, clipping of hair is favored instead of shaving with the aim of reducing minor skin injury and the risk of bacterial colonization and subsequent surgical site infections, SSIs. Much of the research that supports the recommendation to leave hair in place is assumptive in nature, underpowered, and lacking in appropriate comparisons and clinical trials. However, the clinical directive regarding clipping compared with shaving with a razor is based on good quality evidence and is supported by professional and government healthcare organizations. The growing body of research highlighting the bio burden of human hair, the challenges in disinfecting hair, the absence of evidence showing an increased risk of SSIs with clipping compared with no hair removal, and novel solutions for safe hair removal. Warrant consideration of current policies and recommendations. This article proposes that additional research is needed to identify best practice recommendations for perioperative hair removal. Human hair and the potential for contamination. An understanding of bacterial contamination of human hair is facilitated by a basic knowledge of the structure of hair. A single human hair comprises a hair fiber growing out of an invagination into the epidermal layer of the skin, called the follicle. The density of follicles, the size of the follicular orifices on the skin's surface, and hair shaft diameters vary among individuals in different locations on the body. The average hair shaft ranges from 50 to 150 micrometers in diameter, and the average size of a bacterium ranges from 0.2 to 2 micrometers. Bacteria can reside in hair follicles and on external portions of hair fibers. The external portion of a hair fiber, extending from the scalp to the hair end, is called the cuticle and is composed of overlapping, fish-scale-like layers. Microorganisms can gather in the gaps between these scale-like layers. A diverse variety of microorganisms can attach to the cuticles via the airborne route through electrostatic attraction or biochemical affinity and this adherence can be extremely firm. Repeated detergent-based washing of hair contaminated in vitro with Staphylococcus aureus and Staphylococcus epidermidis did not result in complete removal of attached bacteria, thereby exhibiting the potential challenges in effective hair decontamination. The first real evidence of microbial colonization of hair was published in the 1960s although the theory that hair is a source of microbial contamination dates back to the late 18th century. In a 1965 study, researchers recovered bacteria from the hair of all 686 outpatients, inpatients, and hospital staff members who were sampled. They found that S. aureus was the most commonly isolated pathogen, 37% of outpatients, 40.3% of inpatients, 27.4% of staff members. They also noted that S. aureus was more frequently found in scalp hair than in the nearest of their study population, and that 25% of outpatients, 20% of inpatients, and 12% of staff members who had S. aureus in their hair did not have a nasal colonization of the organism. A minority of both hair and nasal carriers had the same phage type of S. aureus in both locations. They also found a higher incidence of staphylococcal SSIs among participants who were hair carriers. 7.6%, 7.6%, then non-carriers, 3.6%. Another study published the next year evaluated the hair samples of 1,274 individuals and found that 10% of the study participants with no hospital contact had S. aureus in their hair. Advancements in molecular detection technologies, including those in the field of nucleic acid-based skin metagenomics, has further supported these early findings and the concept that bacteria flourish in hair follicles and fibers. In a 2016 study, researchers documented microbial colonization among 60% of the hair follicles in Stratum corneum recovered from 194 healthy individuals using fluorescence assays. Other researchers looked at the distribution of bacteria in the epidermal layers and hair follicles of human skin and noted that roughly 25% of the cutaneous bacterial population were found in the hair follicles. Furthermore, bacteria have been shown to create biofilms along the hair follicle. One study showed that a Propionibacteria acnes biofilm can spread 1,900 micrometers in a terminal hair follicle, roughly half the length of a scalp hair follicle. Propionibacterium acnes has been implicated as the causative organism in SSIs after shoulder surgery, and one study found that an auxiliary hair is a risk factor for P. acne's colonization. In a study designed to provide a quantitative and qualitative estimation of airborne bacteria contaminating human hairs in various locations in a biological engineering laboratory for seven days, researchers found a most probable number of viable bacterial cells up to 10 per gram of hair in 20 different species, using fluorescent staining and thermal gradient gel electrophoresis. Light microscopy revealed that the hair cuticles were contaminated with fungal hypha and canidia. Interestingly, the field of forensic medicine has produced a new body of evidence that documents the presence of bacteria in hair. Bacterial profiling of human hair, using a variety of molecular testing methodologies, has shown that not only is hair commonly colonized with microbial flora, but also flora can be unique to individuals, allowing for the creation of databases based on these hair bacterial profiles. Although many perioperative personnel believe that SSIs can be caused by endogenous flora, there is scant research that links SSIs to a patient's own contaminated hair at the surgical site. This would be challenging to prove, because skin and hair are both commonly colonized with bacteria. However, there have been outbreaks of healthcare-associated infections linked to organisms from the hair of the perioperative team members. Investigators traced 11 S. aureus SSIs to a surgeon colonized with the same phage of S. aureus in his hair, but not in his subungal spaces, skin, nose, or throat. Others described an outbreak of Mycobacterium jacuzzi SSIs in 15 women who underwent breast implant surgery that was linked to their surgeon, whose hair was colonized from a whirlpool. Although these cases did not involve contaminated patient hair left in place at the surgical site, they highlight the potential for hair as a source of bacteria that may lead to SSIs. Origins of Practice and Current Policy Recommendations The origins of perioperative hair removal are unclear, but documentation of the practice dates to its widespread use in the late 18th century, when hospitals even employed barbers to shave the surgical site before operative and other invasive procedures. Although the practice has undergone a number of changes in terms of method, timing, and policy recommendations from professional groups in the ensuing years, many of the traditional rationales for perioperative hair removal have remained the same. The reasons have included concerns that hair at the surgical site would limit view of or access to the operative area, obstruct preoperative skin marking, impair skin antisepsis, interfere with placement or later removal of sutures or incision site dressings, and pose an increased risk of SSIs. Preoperative shaving of the operative site with open razors was a predominant method of hair removal until the late 20th century. Concerns that bacterial colonization of microabrasions in the skin caused by shaving using razors could serve as portals for skin microorganisms to penetrate and subsequently proliferate in surgical incisions led to a number of studies that evaluated the risk of SSI after using various methods of hair removal. Some of these studies reported increased rates of SSIs when hair at the surgical site was removed by shaving compared with clipping. Subsequent meta-analyses and systematic reviews of these studies, including a Cochrane review that was first published in 2006 and updated in 2011, concluded that there was insufficient evidence to support the theory that perioperative hair removal reduces the risk of SSIs. The Cochrane review concluded that, Existing research studies are too small and methodologically flawed to allow us to draw strong conclusions. On the basis of existing evidence, it is not clear whether hair removal preoperatively affects rates of surgical side infections. However, if hair has to be removed to facilitate surgery or the application of adhesive dressings, flipping, rather than shaving, appears to result in fewer surgical side infections. In accordance with this body of evidence, numerous government and professional organizations, including the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America, National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, World Health Organization, WHO, American College of Surgeons, Surgical Infection Society, and AORN, have made the recommendation that hair at the surgical site should be left in place whenever possible. If hair must be removed, AORN and the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America recommend the use of surgical clippers or depilatory creams, whereas the American College of Surgeons, Surgical Infection Society, National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, CDC, and WHO only recommend surgical clippers. Because of concerns that loose hair fibers could potentially contaminate the surgical site, AORN additionally recommends that if hair is to be removed, it should be removed outside the OR. Timing of hair removal is another concern that stems from the idea that the longer the bacteria have to proliferate in superficial shaving-induced microabrasions, the greater the potential for infection. Although the Cochrane Review concluded that there was no statistically significant difference between removing surgical site hair by clipping or shaving the night before surgery compared with just before surgery, the authors acknowledged the comparison was underpowered. The CDC and BORN recommend that hair be removed as close to the start of surgery as possible. This is likely to be prudent advice, because if patients perform pre-admission hair removal before elective procedures, they may use a razor or electric shaver. Clipping compared with no hair removal The theoretical benefit to clipping as opposed to shaving is rooted in the idea that clippers do not come into contact with the skin if they are used properly and therefore do not cause the cuts or microabrasions that razors can inflict. Interestingly, although the risk of SSIs appears to be lower after using clippers rather than a razor to remove hair at the surgical site, among the 14 studies included in the published meta-analyses and systematic reviews, only one study compared the risk of SSIs associated with clipping with a risk associated with no hair removal. This was a three-arm study published in 2009 that compared shaving, clipping, and no hair removal in patients undergoing cranial surgery. Sixty-five patients were randomized to each arm and followed postoperatively for signs of SSI, including the presence of pus or inflammation, the development of postoperative bacterial meningitis, and the results of microbiological sampling. One patient in the clipping group and one patient in the no-hair removal group developed an SSI with no statistically significant difference between the two groups. Reviewers of this study noted that details of patient randomization and blinding were not provided, which diluted the conclusions that could be drawn. Since the publication of these systematic reviews and meta-analyses, one additional study has measured the effect of clipping compared with no-hair removal on SSI rates a prospective randomized trial of clipping compared with no-hair removal published in 2016. The study comprised 1,543 general surgery patients who underwent elective procedures from October 2009 to February 2015 and were randomized to either a clipping with disposable electric clippers group or a no-hair removal group. The SSI rate in the clipped group was 6.12% compared with 6.32% in the no-hair removal group. The authors concluded that SSI rates were similar whether hair was clipped or not removed among the general surgery patients undergoing elective procedures. These results cannot be generalized to all surgical procedures because certain surgical subspecialties, that is, neurosurgery and gynecology, may involve body parts that are covered with more hair and are located in areas more prone to colonization by staphylococcus such as the groin, perineum, and axilla. The paucity of research that has evaluated SSI risk with clipping compared with no hair removal raises the following questions. 1. Does evidence exist to show that hair left in place can be sufficiently disinfected? 2. In the absence of strong evidence that compares clipping with no hair removal, what are the risks involved with clipping hair at or near the operative site? And 3. Are there solutions to any risks associated with clipping, such as removing hair outside the OR or containing hair removed in the OR? Preoperative Skin Antisepsis – Disinfecting Hair Proper preoperative skin antisepsis is a critical infection prevention measure designed to mitigate SSI risk by rapidly and persistently removing transient microorganisms and reducing resident microorganisms to subpathogenic levels with minimal skin and tissue irritation. Key components of appropriate skin antisepsis include preoperative bathing or showering with soap and an antiseptic wash, using a safe and effective antiseptic skin prep solution selected by a multidisciplinary team, strictly adhering to the manufacturer's instructions for use to ensure proper technique when using the antiseptic agent, and safe storage, handling, and disposal of antiseptic products. The presence or absence of hair at the surgical site may influence the type of antiseptic used for preoperative skin preparation. AORN recommends that perioperative personnel use alcohol-based antiseptic skin prep solutions when hair has been removed. However, they recommend using aqueous-based solutions if hair is left in place. This is because alcohol-based skin prep solutions are flammable and can pose a fire risk in the OR where electrosurgery and other electrical equipment are routinely used. Flammability may not be such an issue on skin that is not hairy or after hair has been removed because alcohol vaporizes more quickly on skin than on hair. Hair delays the vaporization of alcohol, and alcohol-based skin antiseptics can therefore require up to an hour of drying time if applied to areas with hair, which is a logistical challenge for surgery. However, Alcohol-based antiseptic skin prep solutions are more effective at immediate and long-term reduction of skin flora and helping to prevent SSIs than aqueous-based antiseptics, which is the basis for the recent 2017 CDC SSI Prevention Guideline recommendation. According to the CDC guideline, personnel should Perform intraoperative skin preparation with an alcohol-based antiseptic agent, unless contraindicated. Because of the prolonged drying time, these more effective alcohol-based antiseptic skin prep solutions cannot be realistically used for hair disinfection, yet hair has been shown to carry significant bio-burden and can be difficult to decontaminate. There is little research on the ability of antiseptics to penetrate and disinfect hair and hair follicles effectively. This lack of evidence is surprising considering the bacteria and hair follicles are responsible for endogenous repopulation after skin antisepsis. In their 2014 review of new strategies for preoperative skin antisepsis, Ulmer and others stated that hair follicles are an important reservoir of bacterial growth and activity in human skin, but to date, it has not been fully elucidated to what extent conventional liquid antiseptics sufficiently target the hair follicle-related microbial population. Clipping hair. What are the risks? The AORN, Guideline for Preoperative Patient Skin Antisepsis, states that When necessary, hair at the surgical site should be removed by clipping or depilatory methods in a manner that minimizes injury to the skin. The guideline also recommends that perioperative personnel use clippers with single-use clipper heads and dispose of the clipper heads after each patient use. The use of disposable clipper heads changed after each patient use decreases the risk of cross-contamination among patients in keeping with the core principle of infection prevention and control protocols. Personnel should remove the patient's hair in a location outside the OR or procedure room. These recommendations are based on a number of patient safety and infection prevention principles. Loose hair fibers in the OR could contaminate the surgical field and, in theory, pose an infection risk. As a result, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement makes the same recommendation as AORN regarding clipping outside the OR. When performed using the correct technique, surgical clipping removes hair close to the skin's surface and is the least irritating method of hair removal. In its 2016 SSI prevention recommendations, the World Health Organization states that clipping and no hair removal are similar in terms of reduced potential to cause microscopic skin trauma. In most cases, the risks associated with clipping stem from how compliant practitioners are with these recommendations. Improper clipping technique related to blade angle or direction can cause raking or irritation of the skin. There is no evidence that reveals compliance rates with optimal clipping technique. However, anecdotal reports of suboptimal technique, for example holding the clipper blade perpendicular to the skin, particularly when someone other than the RN circulator, for example, residents, physician assistants, is clipping hair, are not uncommon. Using a single clipper head for multiple patients poses a risk for cross-contamination. A study by Manti and others that surveyed 250 AORN members reported that the compliance rate with a single-use clipper head was 96%. In this survey... 60% of respondents stated that hair was removed inside the OR at their institution. In a survey available to AORN members from July 2017 to October 2017, 71% of the 319 respondents reported that hair removal always or frequently took place inside the OR at their facility. The same question was sent to 1,250 infection preventionists, IPs, and 47% of the 181 respondents indicated the same response. Suggesting that compliance with the recommendation location for perioperative hair removal is poor. In the Manti and others survey, when asked to choose the top three reasons for clipping inside the OR, respondents cited surgeon preference (67%), patient safety or privacy (57%), and insufficient clipping outside the OR (43%). Insufficient clipping may be a consequence of inadequate communication among the OR team and the person performing hair removal being uncertain of the full extent of the surgical site, which has been reported anecdotally as a reason for deferment of hair removal until the patient is inside the OR. The next most common response was lack of time. It is not clear whether lack of time refers to emergency procedures for which hair removal inside the OR is often inevitable or the need for rapid turnaround times between procedures. In the survey of AORN members by DDG Associates, 48% of respondents estimated that cleanup resulted in the removal of 90% or more of loose hair fibers. 95% of IPs and 97% of AORN respondents agreed that loose hair in the OR could pose an infection risk. When this question was posed to a selective group of surgeons known to the authors, twenty-two. of the 28 surgeons agreed that loose hair in the OR was an infection risk. In the Manti Another survey, half of the respondents felt that when hair was removed inside the OR, cleanup efforts resulted in the removal of 90% or more of loose fibers. Fewer than half of the respondents, 46%, reported being somewhat or very satisfied with their method of collecting loose hair fibers. Respondents ranked, complete removal of hair from the patient and the surgical table, and controlling OR traffic as being equally important infection prevention measures. Historically, the most common methods for loose hair fiber collection after perioperative hair removal have been adhesive tape or sticky gloves. Although inexpensive and easy to use, these methods have some inherent risks. In the Manti and other survey of AORN members, Respondents reported that 28% of the time, they sometimes, often, or always noticed skin irritation, redness, scratches, or minor cuts in the OR when tape or sticky gloves were used to remove clipped hair. Furthermore, adhesive tape rolls, if not in sterile single-use packaging, can easily be contaminated, and 70% of respondents described sometimes or always noticing visible contamination of adhesive tape rolls used for loose hair fiber cleanup. Clipping, are there solutions to the risks? If clipping inside the OR and suboptimal cleanup of loose fibers that are subsequently dispersed are challenges that represent patient safety and infection risks, what are the solutions? This is a difficult question to answer because the primary reason for clipping inside the OR, surgeon preference and lack of patient privacy outside the OR, can be difficult to overcome. Ensuring adequate privacy for a patient in the preoperative area also can be challenging because of limited physical space. A 2016 study proposed an innovative solution for improving efficiency and enhancing containment of clipped hair in the OR, use of surgical clippers fitted with a vacuum-assisted hair collection device, SCBAD, containing a surgical-grade disposable filter the SCVAD significantly reduced the amount of time that was necessary to collect clipped hair fibers compared with adhesive tape collection. Tryptic soy agar settling plates placed next to hair removal sites revealed significantly lower hair particulate microbial colony-forming unit counts when the SCVAD was used for hair removal compared with standard surgical clippers and adhesive tape. This tool could potentially represent a risk mitigation strategy for incomplete hair collection and the risk of cross contamination from the common practice of cleaning up hair with multi use adhesive tape rolls. The SCVAD aligns with the recommendation that when hair is removed, it should be removed in a manner that minimizes dispersal. It also could enhance OR efficiency by combining two steps that is, removing hair and cleaning up removed hair into one step. As long as personnel dispose of the filter and properly disinfect the device between patients, according to the manufacturer's instructions for use. In the DDG associate survey, seventy-five percent of AORN members and eighty percent of IPs chose SCVAD as the method of loose hair fiber collection they felt would be most effective in achieving complete removal of all loose hair fibers with minimal effect on the patient. In the survey of twenty-eight surgeons. 20 stated that they would support the use of SCVAD to enhance OR efficiency and mitigate loose hair dispersal. 3 indicated they would not support it, and 5 indicated they were unsure. Similarly, 74% of AORN members, 81% of IPs, and 54% of surgeons said they would support the incorporation of the technology into their institution's existing SSI bundle. Conclusion Human hair can be a source of microbial flora that harbors microbial pathogens such as staphylococcus and is difficult to disinfect. The current standard of practice for perioperative hair removal is largely based on studies from the 1980s through the early 2000s that compared shaving with clipping, and many of these studies were underpowered. The strongest evidence related to perioperative hair removal is that shaving carries a greater infection risk than clipping. Few studies have compared clipping with no hair removal, and current recommendations support not removing hair whenever possible. However, innovative hair clipping and vacuum technology may assist with safer hair removal by eliminating the dispersion of hair fibers around the incision site, thereby mitigating the risk of hair contaminating the surgical incision. If clipping is performed correctly outside the OR or inside the OR with a concurrent use of an SCVAD, it may benefit patients with multiple comorbidities, considering the risk of microbial contamination from hair and the inability to apply antiseptic skin prep solution properly when hair is present. Additional research is necessary to compare clipping with no hair removal and to consider which patient populations may benefit from removing hair at the incision site in such a way that lowers the risk of clipped hair introducing contaminants.